What's up, everyone? It's Andrea. Today, we share some secrets of our podcast. You can't judge a book by its cover, and we ask the question, does it get any better than this? Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we're talking Season 6, Episode 25, Timescape. Yay! I love this one so much. <laughs> I'm so excited. I know. This episode was written by Brandon Braga and directed by Adam Nimoy, son of Leonard, who Ooh, also directed Rascal. one. Yeah, yeah, he did Rascals and now this one. So it's like, hey, we get like a couple of winners. For those who don't totally remember Timescape, aboard the runabout, which is the first time we see the runabout, mm-hmm. Data... Picard, LaForge, and Troy encounter time distortions. They also discover the Enterprise frozen in time while in battle with a Romulan warbird and seconds away from destruction. Yep. Ah, I love this one so much. Tell me your initial thoughts. <laughs> My not, initial- to, not, to, not to like <laughs> color the pool, but like, I love it so much. Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> Girl, I'm coloring with the same crayons. Okay. My initial thoughts were, <laughs> OMG, this is one of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. of all time top 10 episodes. Yep. And I cannot wait to dive into this with you. The end. Yeah. In- <laughs> initial thoughts. That's it. What are your initial thoughts? Um, my initial thoughts were, woohoo, top 10 by far. Um, yes. This is like a real it. top 10. This isn't like the other top 10s which are really like top 25. <laughs> this is like legit top 10, may even be top five, but I need to I was going to say maybe list. top three. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, I think this is the episode that I rewatch the most. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Deja Q is my favorite episode, but I don't watch it that often because I feel like it would lose its specialness if that's even a concept. Mm-hmm. So like, this is one that I watch because I'm like, one, it's a banger. It hits mm-hmm. every single time. Two, there is not a second wasted. We are still in that beautiful like economy of storytelling where like there are no frivolous scenes mm-hmm. or waste of time, right? Um, fun little trivia, and this is not about TNG, but it is about our podcast. So listeners, we landed on the TNG podcast, but we actually at first were like throwing around a whole bunch of names that we could name our podcast. And our first thought was the runabout. Mm-hmm. But we were like, uh, I mean, it shows you know up what for the happened? first time at TNG, but it, then it like ends up becoming a bigger thing, I think, in like DS9 or Voyager. I don't know if, or I don't know if Runabout ever shows up again, honestly. But um, what happened was we came up with this amazing name of the Runabout. And then I Googled it and there was another Star Trek TNG podcast called The oh. Runabout. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, let's call it something else. How about Women at Warp? Oh, there's a podcast called Women at Warp. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. How about The Ready Room? Okay, there's a huge show called The Ready Room. All right, all right. We went through about 50 or 60 names before yeah. we landed on the TNG podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. And then we were like, well, it tells people what we're about. It's super clear. It's it, I mean, And it's amazing. It's not super sexy, though. I mean, I feel like the runabout is pretty sexy. But anyway, oh, yeah, know, so we we did not. Yeah, welcome to today's episode of the runabout. Sounds kind of <laughs> cool. Damn whoever beat us to it. Anyway, yeah, no, I love this episode so much. It's just it's it's a huge fan favorite as well. This is this is a really, really cool one. And it messes with like the time thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got these like different time distortions that are like bubbles where time is yes. passing at different rates. Like it's just such a cool concept. I, mm-hmm. I really, really dig it. And it's a great lesson in like not judging, not a judging by, by the cover. Fir- 
Yes, like mm-hmm. by first instinct. Because when you first see the Enterprise, I'm jumping it a little bit, it looks like one thing, but it turns out to be something very different. So and that's like, all oh. throughout the episode. It looks like yeah. one thing and it's really another. And I think that's what makes yeah. this episode so delicious for me mm-hmm. is the mystery aspect of it. But the way that it's it's a mystery where you think you've got it figured out and yep. you don't. And that is so refreshing sure in television for you to be for you to be tricked and yeah. like pleasantly tricked. And you're like, oh, that's what it was. Like, and then it makes you feel smart when you figure it out, but you didn't really figure it out. They just told you the answer. It it just it hits those notes. So let's dive right in because yep. this episode, yes, 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 more of it, please. I'll probably we're, watch we're, it right after we talk about it. <laughs> this this podcast episode is either going to be 15 action-packed minutes or four hours, and there is no middle ground. Okay. <laughs> no. So go ahead and get your snacks because we all know it's not going to be 15 minutes. <laughs> So the episode starts out with Riker in sick bay, and he's got this huge, deep gash over his face. And Beverly's giving him the riot act about, like, you keep playing all these dangerous games in the holodeck. When are you going to learn? Because typically that is when he comes to sick bay. That's why he comes. He's right. some calisthenics program with war for some crazy thing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, turns out it's not from any of those fun things. It's actually from Spot. And I'm not sure, but I think this might be our first time where we find out that Spot is a terror. And that he hates yeah. absolutely everyone except for Data. And later we come to find Barclay. Um, this might it's either the first time or the second time we discover this. But mm-hmm. Spot hates everybody. This cat hates everybody. Um, Sounds and- like a cat to me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a dog person? <laughs> like, cats are just curious murder machines. That's all they are. Like, <laughs> Well, and they're fluffy. You know, there's other things. Okay, so they're fluffy, <laughs> curious murder machines. Excuse me. Don't breathe wrong around them. They will murder you in your sleep. And they're going to tell you you had it coming. I'm just saying. (laughs) Sorry, cat people. Anyway. I have no pets. So I have no no comment on this entire conversation. I'm sure your cat must be lovely. But Spot is a terror. That's correct. Spot's a terror. Spot is a terror. So anyways, that's just like a cute little fun thing that comes back again and again in other episodes. Um, Worf picks up a distress call. And so calls, you know, Riker over to the bridge and they discover that with this Romulan ship, like something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. They are on the brink. Life support is failing. The ship is going down. And mm-hmm. Worf's immediately, his immediate statement was this could be a trick, which we all know it could be. They're super yeah. shady. Like you can't always trust them. They're not always a hundred percent like with what they, with what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, it's Starfleet. Now, while the Romulans might have seen a Starfleet ship and been like, Psh, sucks to be you. Yeah. Um, Starfleet can't do stuff like that. They have to be like, well, if you're in danger, we're going to help you, even if you're a quote unquote enemy. Yeah. So Riker's like, all right, wh- when are we going to rendezvous with the captain? And um, Worf says we have 13 hours before our rendezvous. So now we know that the captain's not on the ship. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, all right, fine. Like, let's go check it out. So that's the last thing we hear about what's going on with them. And you're, you kind of, honestly, I forgot all about them over the next like five or 10 yeah. minutes because what happens yeah. on the runabout on this amazing shuttle, I could live in this shuttle. What happens the on runabout the shuttle, is so freaking cool. Oh my gosh. It's so distracting that I totally forgot about this, this call until this distress <laughs> call until right now reading my notes. I forgot that happened because I was so into like, what is going on? Yeah. So the runabout, can we just talk about the ship and how different it is from the ship that Picard and Wesley took? to wherever they took back in to season one. To Starfleet, to Starfleet, yeah. Starfleet for, Academy for a test or whatever. I think it was I think it was season two because Picard was going for a heart procedure. That's when he right, shared his right, little sandwich right. with Wesley and Wesley was going for the test. So yes. The, they didn't even that, have space for that platter of sandwiches. They had no place to put it. It was on no, Picard's they had lap. To put it, they had to, 
They had to put it back on the replicator for it to disappear because there was no place to put four little freaking tea sandwiches. The runabout is this amazing thing. It's a long-range shuttle that has warp capability. It has like a like a centralized living quarter and it looks like bunks kind of like train bunks or like the japanese hotel cell bunks that it's just like just enough space for you to crawl into bed and kind of shut the little flap but they're having like a full-blown dinner there are different rooms because mm-hmm. it seems like there's a bridge and then kind of like the living room living area and then some sort of little tiny little engineering console but like oh my god it is so I mean, I hate to keep repeating the word cool, but it is so cool. Honestly, if there's an Airbnb out there that is the runabout, I'm renting it because I don't care how much it costs. Yeah. I mean, I a little bit care, but I still want to be in <laughs> it. Like, I say that I say that like I've got rock star money and I'm a teacher. So we I have very teacher much money, care costs, which means but no money. We've got no money, but we um, are very willing to take a donation to an Airbnb that <laughs> looks like a runabout. Wouldn't that be so amazing though? Oh my <gasps> gosh. So I was just like salivating over this shuttle and I was just thinking yeah. how far shuttles have come. Like this shuttle is amazing and maybe mm. not all shuttles are the same. And why do they bust out this amazing shuttle for this one episode? I don't know, but I'm like, why don't we always travel and stuff like this this is so this is great so anyways enough about the shuttle i want the shuttle want to own the shuttle want to live in the shuttle yeah moving on we see the four of them sitting around this beautiful dining table Mm -hmm. and just kind of uh, sharing stories about what happened in the conference and as a scientist i don't know how many scientific conferences you've been to andrea but this really gave me a lot of feels Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. (laughs) back to like my time in college and my time in grad school and I was just like oh my gosh sitting around with my like sciencey friends talking about the conference and did you hear so-and-so's talk like I don't know this just really like this really struck a a special chord that it could not have possibly struck in me as a small child yes and you know what I I agree I've been to many many scientific conferences I was lucky enough to present my research at a scientific conference and I'm telling you yeah when you do the debrief with your friends and you're talking about so-and-so's talk or this other topic, naturally the conversation will turn to whose talks were the most boring and whose Mm -hmm. talks we couldn't wait to get out of because we're like, oh my God, they just went on forever. And then, you know, you always have like, but then this one's like, Mm -hmm. wow, this was so cool, right? So that, I totally know what you mean. That was so fun. I love that we've been talking for 15 minutes and we're at like minute two (laughs) of the episode. So good. I think it's, I think it's worth it. So they're talking and this scene, I love i love when troy does this accent for this scientist yes the whole like rendition retelling of the scientist inviting her to help him study mating rituals because he's an expert and just the whole thing in interspecies mating yeah yeah the whole the whole the whole conversation was so funny to me and everyone's Mm -hmm. laughing and and data's like counselor did you assist him and she's like, absolutely not. And he's like, okay. Like, he's not sure why she didn't. Like, what was the problem here? Which made it even funnier. <laughs> yeah. And Jordy's yeah. like, oh, that was a really great rendition of Dr. So-and-so. Yeah, and you sound like, just like him. How did you know that? And he's like, he really is an expert in that. That is literally his field. He wasn't lying. And you're like, oh my gosh. That's not a line. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> it is a line, but it's also true. It's also um, true. I, I do love so I do funny. love also the like after hours Picard where he's like more casual because he does this whole, you know, he's getting a little silly kind of like talking in the same monotone that this one professor was talking about. But it turns out that doctor was in the wrong lecture hall. So yeah. he was giving the wrong talk in the wrong room. But like, <laughs> you know, and I just love that. Like, it's not Captain Picard that's talking. It's yeah. just Picard, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as they're talking, Troy is chatting and she's like, okay, okay. And she looks up with a mouthful of food and realizes that Picard, Jordy, and Data are totally frozen. And she's like, hello? Hello? And I think one of them was in the middle of a sentence. Yes. Picard and was so, in the middle of talking. So his mouth was like, uh, you yeah, know, like he was open, frozen. And they were like yeah. sipping tea or eating or whatever the others were. And so when the sound stopped, Troy looks up and they are, they are frozen, like They're in totally mid stride. And it's like, what? The yes and as happened. a beta z she says later it's like i couldn't sense you at all it's like you were not there mm-hmm. so they stay frozen for a few seconds and then the conversation continues as though nothing has happened and deanna's like what in the sacred chalice of Riggs is this like what <laughs> you know and it cuts to credits and you're like oh my gosh that and- was a good i think that was a good bum 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 because you are like wait mm-hmm. what did just happen you know it's not yeah. as, it's not as stressful as some of our other cliffhangers have been yes. but it is very curious you're like what did that did we just imagine that? What happened? Right, right. Like, is Deanna hallucinating? Are they actually frozen? Now, we come back from credits, and Jordy is running a tricorder scan to see if there's some clue as to their freezing like that. And again, Starfleet. Thank you for being afraid. Because Deanna says that they all froze, and God damn it, they're like, okay, let's start running a level one diagnostic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why can't life be more like this? Yeah. Okay? Why can't we be like, hey, I got a bad feeling about XYZ, and everybody's like, okay, got it. We're on it, and we're going to figure it out. Oh, yep. Good call. Um, We're not going down that dark alley. I think you're right. Let's yeah, I think feeling. so. I think yeah, so. They scan not just, I mean, they scan, Jordy's scanning the people, the humans, getting all the biofeedback, mm-hmm. data scanning the ship, the whole shuttle from front to back. Like they are going to figure out what just happened. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's like, it's really, really cool to see. Yeah. And data's like, well, my internal chronometer and the ship's computer are perfectly synchronized. So Jordy suggests his favorite thing ever, which is running a shipwide diagnostic. So off mm-hmm. he goes to do that. And as they do that, I love that Picard kind of has this role reversal with Deanna where he sits her down and he basically plays the counselor. And mm-hmm. he's like, tell me what you're sensing. Tell me what you're feeling and tell me how that's different from what you were sensing and feeling like when we were frozen. And she's like, okay, well, and she's in the middle of relating did you, did to Did you Picard. see her do her tapping that she talked to She Barclay? did. She did the little like behind the ear tapping and mm-hmm. she's like, maybe I'm just tired. I mean, the conference was long and boring and a bunch of people did come on to me because I am super hot. So maybe mm-hmm. I just need to like crawl into my little bunk and shut the shutter and just, you know, get some mm-hmm. sleep. And it, she's in the middle of this conversation and suddenly Picard's hand is waving right in like three inches mm-hmm. in front of her face. And she's like, ah, you know, and mm-hmm. Jordy and Data are back and they're scanning her. And she was frozen for three minutes and 11 seconds. So it's like, holy crap. Which is kind of, it's like great that that happened because they already That's believed her. They were already yeah. scanning everything. They already believed that she saw what she saw. But then for her to be the one that freezes, now you're like, yeah. ooh, the plot thickens because now it's not just the three of them and she's outside of time or something. Yeah, Something is going on that is affecting everyone. Yes. And, and now they yeah, have proof I- of it. I love it. I love that too, because there's always that moment in a movie when someone sees something, they try telling the friend group and the friend group is like, sure. And that person's <laughs> like, I swear it really happened. Right. So now this is exactly what she needed to have happen. She, she froze. They all saw it. So yeah, Jordy scans her and reveals that she's only aged 20 minutes in the last 23 minutes. So for those three minutes and 11 seconds, time just seemed to not exist for her, which is like, well, so we're crazy. five minutes into the episode and the plot is already thickening. Like, this is so cool and so strange. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, you know what? Let's get to the rendezvous point. Let's get back to the Enterprise. Something weird's going on. We will yep. we will figure it out. So they're speeding off to the rendezvous point when suddenly the starboard nacelle cuts out 
and the ship starts careening, which how do you even do that in space? I don't I know. know. It just started spinning out. It totally. just starts totally spinning out. And then they kind of like steady it and they, you know, counteract whatever and do an all stop. And they're like, what the heck just happened? And as they're scanning, they find out that the nacelles on that ship have like the, the fuels basically run out because that part of the ship has been operating for 47 straight days. And they're like, that's impossible. It was like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, it's 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 run out of fuel, like it's run its course, which is actually good to know that the runabout can last for about 50 days. Like, holy moly, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Like going know, full right? speed. 47 um, continuous days. It was like, what? that's that's freaking amazing. So that's enough time yeah. for you to get to somebody's star system, <laughs> to get to somebody's planet. <laughs> you have yeah. enough gas to get there. Yeah. Um, unlike my little electric car. See, this is why <laughs> I need the shuttle. <laughs> See, your car will run out after 47 continuous minutes of minutes, use, okay? <laughs> continuous minutes. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. You're like, okay, all right, all right, let's pull it over. So um, then they're like, okay, there's something, there is something really fishy going on. Mm-hmm. So they're, they stop the whole shuttle. They just stop and they just start scanning everything because something, yeah. something weird's going on. Something's Picard's wrong. like, I'll go check out XYZ. He goes back into the dining room and he sees that the fruit on the table is like a little bit rotten yeah it's like like, moldy uh yeah and that fruit was just fresh and delicious like five minutes ago Mm -hmm. so he's like what the heck because at first he was kind of typing at a panel and then he looked over and he saw it and he's like huh so he goes over to reach to touch the the fruit Mm -hmm. and he screams in pain and when he pulls Mm -hmm. his hand back his nails are like super long and i mean his nails have aged by months or something i don't even know and um, everybody runs in. They're like, what happened? And he's holding his hand in pain. And he's like, yeah, and his oh, hand is like oh, shaking. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, the pain, the pain's going away now. It's going away. And then when they look back down at the fruit, because he's like, I reach for the fruit. When you look back, the whole bowl is just mush. So it's just totally turned into compost. Yes. Now, Data's tricorder reveals that time is moving at 50 times nor- faster than normal in that space. And when Deanna scans Picard's hand, his cells are metabolizing like 50 times faster than normal, which is why his nails are so long and all that stuff. Which I was like, okay, so the warp nacelle has been going for like 50 days straight. This mm-hmm. bowl is decomposing at 50 times the normal speed of mm-hmm. time. Like, what is going on? By the way... I caught a little blooper in this episode where I was like, wait a second. When Picard first walks into the room and walks to that panel, mm-hmm. there is a shot of the table with the with the moldy fruit. It's not the all the oh, way broken down whoops. compost fruit. But the fruit, well, no, the fruit is moldy. Oh, that's right. But, okay. but as Picard is walking to the panel, he already has the long nails. Oh. I caught that as a blooper. I was like, oh, huh. I mean, he tried to have it kind of hidden. So they must have filmed it after they put the long nails on him or whatever. Oh. But I was like, oh, I got you. I got you. That's Only because funny. I knew what to look for. So he's typing away with one hand and it's the other hand that's got the long nails. That's and I was like, hiding. oh, mm-hmm. that's a, like a little continuity yeah. error. But I was like, oh, that's kind of that's cool. That's probably exactly yeah. what happened is that they did that. And they were like, you know what? Let's get another shot of you just like typing something instead of you yes. walk in and see the bowl. Let's have you notice yes. the bowl. That's probably exactly yeah. what happened. And then it was yeah. like, uh, but my hands, you can figure that yeah. out. You're an actor. <laughs> And he did. Just put your hand in your pocket. Oh, wait, we don't have pockets. Oh, no well. pockets. No, no. pockets. <laughs> so it turns out that there's this temporal distortion that's where the table is. And it's large enough to cover the starboard nacelle, which explains how all the fuel was used up. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, sensors are now calibrated to pick up these different temporal disturbances all around the ship. And every disturbance that's littering the space outside has time moving at different rates. And I just love the concept of that so yes. much. So we're back to crazy space bubbles. 
We have yep. had crazy space bubbles before mm-hmm. um, that also caused just random burning and explosions. So those mm-hmm. are not good space bubbles either. But this one is a really interesting twist because it could be that you have a bunch of bubbles and that within those bubbles, time is going 50 times faster mm-hmm. or time pauses or something. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. every single bubble is a different size, a different shape and a different time speed which means there could be bubbles where time is going backwards there Mm -hmm. could be bubbles where time is frozen i mean that that's a really nice touch that is super cool Mm -hmm. and it makes it so fresh and you're like oh my gosh how do we navigate around all these bubbles where do these bubbles come from because you know i kind of think of like a shattered mirror like Mm -hmm. there is a point of impact and you have all these little shards but instead of shards you have different size bubbles where time is going differently in every bubble so there was Mm -hmm. a point of impact of like time being literally broken apart and shattered, which is fascinating. I just, I love it so much. I love it so much. Now they do actually, you know, Jordy's like, it looks like something shattered the space-time continuum. Like there's these bubbles everywhere, right? So they call it the fragmentation effect. And it actually turns out that it's sort of like a trail of breadcrumbs that's heading in the direction where the Enterprise is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh crap, we better follow this trail of breadcrumbs and get to the Enterprise like right now. So they arrive at the rendezvous coordinates, but there's no sign of the Enterprise. And long-range sensors pick up like a teeny tiny little something. And they're like, okay, the fragmentation effect looks like it's increasing. We're getting closer. And I love that the sensors can't pick up the Enterprise, but mm-hmm. Picard sees it out of the window. He's like, there it is. Yep. <laughs> like, it's just there. But and it makes girl... sense because that's what that's what Troy said. She couldn't sense them when they froze. Yes. Like they when did not paused. exist. Yes. So the scanners yes. could not pick them up because they did not exist in the same time frame. Yes. Now, when Picard spots the Enterprise out out of the window, it is bad, okay? Mm -hmm. The Enterprise is completely frozen, along with the Romulan Warbird. The Warbird looks like it's firing on the Enterprise, and Mm -hmm. some sort of energy beam from the Enterprise to the Romulan Warbird, and it's like, uh uh-oh, you know, like, we're seconds away from destruction. The Enterprise and the Warbird are trapped in a temporal fragment where time is standing still, so it appears like they are at the center of this temporal distortion trail, Mm -hmm. where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, it's originating from whatever the F is going on here, and it's just sort of going off into Into space. space. Yeah. Yeah, And then the question is, what could have possibly happened between Mm -hmm. the Warbird and the Enterprise that could break time? As far as they know, there's nothing on the Enterprise that can do that. Unless Man, it's I can karate kick really high and I can't stop time. I don't know what exactly. they're doing. <laughs> we could blow up the warp core and we still wouldn't stop time. Yep. What exactly could have caused a fragmentation in space-time mm-hmm. all around us? Like, we can't, we can't imagine that. So they're trying to scan, but as we just realized when we were looking for the Enterprise, we cannot scan these things. They're not in yeah. our time frame, so we can't scan them. So they don't know what's going on inside of either ship. The only way yeah. to know is to beam over to the ships and take a look around. Now, I love this conversation they're having. Ugh. Oh my gosh. Right? Isn't they're... it like, isn't it like nerd? Isn't it? This is like our nerd happy place right here. Yeah. Nerd because, Vana, and thank God, sure. and th- it is nerd fun. Thank God Data is there because he's like, hold the phone. If you beam onto the Enterprise, you would end up frozen in time as well. Mm-hmm. So like, so you can't just you can't beam do on. that. You can't just yeah, beam on, that's I was like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'd be like two to beam up, fume, and then I'd end up. And then we never see like, them crap. again. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd be like, can we beam them back? No, because we cannot scan inside the ship to find yeah. them. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, so what we're gonna need is we're gonna need some kind of force fields that mm-hmm. are around us to to with a little bubble of our time, so that way we don't mm-hmm. get exposed to their time and get frozen. But then Jordy's like, okay, but we also need to interact with the ship, with people, with objects. So the force field has to be like skin tight 
Dummy can mm-hmm. fill touch buttons and open panels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Picard's like, well, can we use the force fields like we did on the video too? And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Stay, bring it, bring it. And I was waiting for I thought, this, I thought the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> because, I thought. Because he this goes, is, can Davidia too, by yeah. the way, is it's a great little callback to Time's era where those soul-consuming aliens were traveling back to 19th century San Francisco to harvest the humans. And I was mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, I love a throwback. I love a yes. callback to an earlier episode. Yeah, but even better because in that episode, they needed to make a little, you know, force-filled bubble so that they could mm-hmm. exist in these different time frames. And then they were like, and then Jordy said, but we don't have a phase discriminator that's delicate enough. And then Data says, yes, we do, because I have a type R phase discriminator. And mm-hmm. Picard's like, type R. And then he's like, I can do it. And so <laughs> but how does he really say it, though? <laughs> type R. It's yeah. so great. It's my favorite <laughs> line by Picard ever. And then uh, above all the speeches he ever gives, it's that line. And so <laughs> that kind of literally blows up in their face and they lose Data. And so then Jordy has to make another one that is not as sensitive as data's but it works and so he was able to encapsulate a whole away team in the bubble to get back to like 1880s san francisco or whatever but here when they're talking and he's like can we you know picard's like can we just use something like we did for davidia too and jordy's like yeah but we need a really sensitive phase discriminator i was like man why don't you look up your schematics in the freaking records you already built this thing you built this Mm -hmm. thing already Mm -hmm. you're just making it smaller but, I mean, can you blame Jordy? He has had to, like, eke them out of a million and one tight situations. He's like, I can't possibly remember all of That's what the computer is for. Computer, pull up, pull up my schematics for that type R phase discriminator. That's why you have main engineering's uh, personal log, where he talks it all out, and then he just goes back and listens to his log, and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's right, I remember. I that's what that. it was. But this one is actually different, because they just, they apparently... There are arm bands that act as emergency mm. transporters. Mm-hmm. I would like one of those as well. Yes, thank and you. So, so then Jordy's like, oh, you know, Jordy and Data are like, okay, we can reconfigure these arm bands so that they create a force field around us that's skin tight. And so in that case, we do need to kind of like do a different phase discriminator for what we used before because that was hooked up to like a tricorder. Um, yeah. And it was a big bubble for a big group of people, but you couldn't interact with anything. So I was like, mm, okay, I'll let that slide. That we already had this whole conversation, but I'll let it slide because this is a different, a totally different application of that technology. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and argue in favor of this. Here's why. Because it's the 24th century. Technology moves so fast. Between season four and season six, they have made 60,000 years (laughs) worth of advancements. So they're like, oh yeah, that from two years ago? (laughs) Ha ha ha, dinosaur material. (laughs) Like, we are way ahead of them. It's like, okay. What I will say is this. I think that this is a very elegant solution. Yeah. Not just for the story, but also for the practicalities of filming this. All the mm, actors had to do was true. just wear a little simple armband and go about their business. It's With like an invisible simple. force field. So we it's don't even invisible. need to see it. You mm-hmm. don't need to see Exactly. You don't need to see it. It's so elegant. Because it's like, okay, if you have an armband, you're just waltzing around that's the why you can walk because you have the armband so that's why you yes. can walk when no one else can and you're like yes got it got it, got it. Simple. cool and if you take the armband off you become enveloped in that time mm-hmm. and and it's not yeah which ends up happening later so and we're like got it yeah and also the other genius super thing elegant from a storytelling perspective is that the cons they tie the cons into their arm badge because mm-hmm. they can't communicate as far as they know they won't be able to communicate yeah. with any of the ship systems when they go over there so it's just a really yeah you're right it's really elegant it's a really beautiful solution well super done. simple and i buy all of it yeah well done writers now jordy very smartly that's not a word jordy yeah it is is. 
Smartly? Yeah. <laughs> smartly. He very okay. smartly. What does he smartly do? <laughs> Thanks, Cherise. Jordan very smartly decides to stay behind to monitor Deanna, Picard, and Data because when they do activate it, Deanna kind of loses her balance a little bit and she's like, woof, because you know, Jordy does say, like, these these force fields are basically gonna be skin tight. Okay. So it might cause a little dizziness or whatever. So he's like, I'm gonna stay behind and monitor your vitals. Yeah, so I agree. That was that was super smart. Because if do. something goes wrong, yeah, they would all be trapped over there. I wouldn't have thought like you said you would have beamed over and gotten frozen. I would have yep. beamed over with the armband with everybody. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought like we should leave someone behind in case something goes wrong. Just I wouldn't have even thought that. And it's like <laughs> that's like emergency situation 101. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we over. would both fail. Yeah. <laughs> now the team beams right onto the bridge and they are met with this confusing and horrifying scene. There are three Romulans on the bridge. All of them have weapons. Riker is down, like laying on his back and a Romulan is looming over him. There are phaser blast marks on the panels indicating some sort of phaser fire. The security or team burst. is gone. Yeah. It's like, there's what like the no is going else on, on the bridge, here. but Riker and a bunch of Romulans pushing all the buttons. Yep. And and Deanna immediately is like, oh my gosh, we need to move Riker because if we can get time going again, God knows how, but if we can get time going again, he would he won't be in danger. And I love that Picard is like, mm, I'm hesitant to do anything until we get a better picture of like it, what exactly is going on. Once Which I was again, like, smart. I would fail that that test right there as well. Yep. I'd I would like, move oh him my immediately. Gosh, let's move him. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but I would just Picard- drag his body to the observation lounge. I'm like, nothing bad can happen there. <laughs> Or maybe I would move the Romulans, like move all of them somewhere else. But the point is... (laughs) To the turbo lift, yeah. Or literally anywhere else, yeah. But the point is, to Picard's point, like we actually don't know the full story. And what Mm -hmm. he said was like, I'm hesitant to affect this time period. Because Mm -hmm. time is weird like that, you know? Like you just don't know the butterfly effect it's going to have. Girl, time do be like that, okay? (laughs) Yeah, just leave it for now. Let's figure (laughs) out this whole time-shattering situation. Mm -hmm. And we'll circle back to Riker. So it's like... Okay, that's fair. Which well, yeah, because if time is frozen, he's not going anywhere. Like, let's first figure out what's happening, and then we can. Yeah. Now it looks like they can push buttons and get some information, which is cool. So it looks like there was a massive power surge in main engineering, and security beam uh, security teams were rushing to transporter room three and to sick bay. So it's like, okay, yeah, we've so got like more happening here. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So it's interesting because. Um, they can't they can push buttons but the buttons don't respond so they can't actually do anything on the ship but there was a screen a panel that mm-hmm. showed all of this and so data happened to see it and be like oh okay so here's what happened thank god they happened to be looking at like a you know progress report of what's going on, on the ship at that moment jordy's I mean, jo- cool and all but i'm gonna go ahead and say the mvp of tng is the lcars panel <laughs> And that is a lot of acronyms in one sentence. But those who know, know. Like, really, the LCARS panels save the day yet again. Yet again. Like, last week with Mm -hmm. Will and Will 2.0 and this week with giving us the the schematic of what's going on. It's like, again, thank you, LCARS panels, for being a friend. (laughs) This award goes to the LCARS panel. Um, So we find out, okay, security... Right. So security has been dispatched to all these places. So now we've got a even bigger mystery. And now it's kind of like, all right, we need to split up. We have three different areas that need some attention. We've got engineering. We've got um, sick bay. We've got the bridge and whatever the heck is going on here. What's happening? Yep. Um, And so Picard's like, hey, Jordy, just beam us over to wherever. And he's like, "Uh, actually, those armbands take a ton of power. And I'm trying to use as much power as possible. I'm guessing from the runabout to make sure they stay energized. 
So mm-hmm. I don't want to beam you because that's just going to be a waste. Um, mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, fine. We'll take the Jeffrey's tubes. And then it's just like, oof, because I don't think any of those places are close together. They sure aren't. Well, the bridge is the very little top bubble of the of the saucer section. And main engineering is right in that. It's like in the heart. It's like in the belly of the ship. It's right? in the belly of the ship right by the new and cell. Sick bay so it's is like question you've mark, got, but it's a whole different level. I know it's a different Way floor. somewhere away. It's, it's, it's like it's deck not 11, on, deck 12 yeah, or something. It's not on deck one. That's for damn sure. Now, here's something. <laughs> here's something that I never understood. And I'm hoping you or somebody who's listening could explain this. They're like, okay, it's going to take too much energy to transport around, so let's use the Jeffrey's tubes, which makes sense because the turbo lifts aren't working cool. But when when they open one of the hatches, they find three crew members climbing through the tube when time stopped. And one seems to be climbing the ladder, mm-hmm. and two people seem to be holding onto the sides, question mark? I think they're I pushing. Like, I think they're pushing buttons in the walls because there's also – all those are panels, too. Oh, okay, because I was like, I never understood, like, what they were doing – yeah, when they work on, sometimes they work inside the Jeffrey's tubes and they pull mm. the panels off and, you know, there's like wires and cords and stuff. So sure. I think they were working, I think they were all working in that particular oh, junction. Okay. Like okay. they were engineering team and they were working on the ship mm-hmm. and one guy just happened to be going up the tube for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but so they couldn't go that way. And, and Troy says something like, can't we just go around them or like push them out of the way and put them back or something? I don't know. And Picard's like, no, we'll just find another way. And I was like, oh man, this is. Do you remember that time, Andrea, we went hiking and then we got lost coming back up the mountain and we had to go back up the mountain and then come back down? No. Well, I remember that time. (laughs) I don't remember that. And this triggered that memory. (laughs) Seeing them being like, well, I guess we better go back up. I was like, oof, not again, (laughs) not back up. We already (laughs) came down. How many flights? We have to go back up. Oh, that's because I'm I'm not a big hiker. I'm guessing we were camping? I'm yes, like, we I don't camping. remember that. Okay. We were camping. Right. We weren't hiking just to hike. We were hiking because we were camping. And that's yeah, what yeah. you do when you go camping, apparently. So, um, <laughs> girl, the apparently was not lost on me. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. And I'm okay, like, so, okay, I'm getting ready to go camping this weekend. So I'm like, oh, more hiking. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, Andrea, like, would absolutely survive the zombie apocalypse because she can survive in the woods. She <laughs> likes it. She's good at like it. it. She has crazy amount of skill at it. I, on the other hand, am an urban baby and would die very quickly. Um, I wouldn't even make it to the woods. And if I made it there, I wouldn't make it out of the woods. Well, to be fair, though, I wouldn't make it out of the woods. I guess I could survive in a very specific type of apocalypse. But if it's a time apocalypse, I would just beam myself to the Enterprise and be equally as effed as everyone else. So, you know, (laughs) let's not go giving me too much credit. But okay, I guess all is fair in time and war. Well, in any case. (laughs) They find their way around yep. and they're kind of walking through the through the ship and stuff. And it just looks so cool. It's like a wax museum. Mm. The whole enterprise is yeah, turned into a wax so museum. cool. It's freaky. It's eerie. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's cool. They did it. They somehow made it not creepy. I think by keeping all the lights super high. It yes. wasn't creepy because it could have gone. If the, lights, if the lights were f- flickering, it would have mm. been like, what the hell? Yes. But, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Deanna makes it to sickbay. And, like, she's walking, you know, through the hallways. You know, she gets out of a junction and, I guess, onto whatever deck sickbay is on. And she turns a corner and goes right into, like, almost crashes right into a crew member who was also walking around the corner when time stopped. And so Deanna's like, oh, my God, oh, my gosh, right? And she kind of does this, like, hands to the woman but not touching her to make sure it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you're there. I'm here. Okay. (laughs) Right? Which is just such a jump startle you know what i mean it's a jump scare yeah i was like oh yeah. gosh but as she makes it into sickbay another horror meets her eyes guess what sharice deanna walks in and sees a romulan 
shooting Beverly in the torso with a disruptor point blank range. And I was like, oh, and we can actually see F. the destruction of the disruptor in her torso. Like you see yes. the torso is almost gone and it's got yes. these orange like gaps around the holes that used to be yes. in the torso. And you're like, oh, F. Shit. Beverly's She's not going to survive this. Yeah. She's 100% dead. Yeah. Now, as Deanna gasps in horror, as you should, and runs out to inform the others, the camera pans in on a Romulan who's frozen. And the Romulan blinks and turns around and walks out. And I was like, (laughs) right? Like, we've got some jump scare. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I was like, if this wasn't terrifying enough, now this is what we're contending with. And nobody knows that these Romulans, however many there are, that are, like, not frozen in time are also loose. I was like, oh, my God. And then this just raises so many more questions because you're like, why is that one Romulan not frozen? And what are they doing? And why is she following Mm -hmm. Troy? And where is she going? And what is she up to? And it's just so many questions. So many questions. And it kind of... yeah. It harkens back to next phase where Roe and Jordy were in yes. a different time. And there was one Romulan who was also in a different time. But in That's that right. one, they were being super shady. And he was trying to like, you know, you're going to you're going to fix me or whatever. And then he tried to like shoot Roe and it just got really crazy. So when you see this Romulan do that, you're like, oh, boy, here we go again. This can't yeah. be good. Like whatever she's up to this Romulan, it's bad news. So Troy rushes into the transporter totally rooms. News. Because that's one of the places where security had been dispatched. And mm-hmm. she's rushing to tell Picard what she just saw. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Captain. And he stops her. And he's like, look at this. We're beaming over a bunch of injured Romulans. Like, why would we beam over Romulans mm-hmm. in the middle of a battle? This is weird. Isn't this weird? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it's weird. But also the Romulans are unarmed, which mm-hmm. is like, what? This doesn't sound like a which battle. Wouldn't matter, though, because they're they're. They, their disruptors would be deactivated in the transporter beam anyways. Oh, so, you're so right. And I love you so much for knowing that. Yes. Yeah. They would so they, be. They would be bring your, totally bring, deactivated. Bring, all, bring all your disruptors. Yeah. Bring they your missile launchers. They're not going to work. Them. Yeah, they're not going to work. But um, but yeah. And so he's like, isn't that weird? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's really weird. But anyways, what I was saying is Beverly's dead. You know, it's just like, oh, my yeah. gosh. You're like, like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, that's awful well let's get to engineering you're just like oh my gosh because how do you even absorb that information i know there's a clock we have to figure out what happened we have to figure out what went wrong and maybe there's some way we can fix it and save everybody but right now we have to get to the bottom of this so yeah this is that military compartmentalization that is so admirable that you can see these horrible things or hear these horrible things and be like all right back to the mission we got to get to the bottom Mm -hmm. of this they make their way over to engineering and when they walk in data's like i think i found the source of the disturbance the work core is breaching and it's in progress. Yep. And they're like, wait, what? They're like, yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the warp core has breached and the ship will be consumed. And I forget what he said. Nine hours. That's what he said. The ship. Nine will be hours, consumed, 17 minutes. Yeah. And there's no way to stop it. And Picard's like, but, but, but I mean, I thought nothing was happening. Everything's frozen. Yeah. And Data's like, everything is frozen to our, per- to our perception. But because my visual range is like further than humans, I mm-hmm. can tell that this cloud is moving like right at the edge of my threshold of my vision. I can tell it's getting bigger. I can tell it's expanding to the point yes. where I can calculate how long it's going to take to envelop the ship. Right. Well, because because an explosion moves so fast. Right. Compared time to humans. Hasn't, yeah. Time hasn't stopped. It's just slowed down so much that we appear frozen. But the explosion, because it moves at like the speed of light, practically, mm-hmm. it's going to consume the entire enterprise and nine hours and 17 minutes. So as they go about kind of talk, you know, Deanna and Data kind of start talking about this and Picard goes towards the cloud that's coming out of the warp core. Picard starts laughing 
And when we turn and look at him, he's made a smiley face in the smoke, which I was like, that sounds like something I would do. But this hasn't... is my favorite Picard scene. This uh, scene where he's giggling and yeah. makes a smiley face. And then he's like, <laughs> like, I just love seeing him giggle and just be <laughs> playful because you never see that. You just never see that from him unless he's been taken over by some kind of alien or drunk virus or something. something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and in this case, the same thing. It's like hypoxia that's causing him to go mm-hmm. crazy. But I love this scene where he's just giggling and laughing and so playful. And mm. I hate the second after this where he starts screaming yes. in terror. Like, I, yes. that's like my least favorite Picard scene. Yes. It seems like the time distortion has given Picard some sort of temporal narcosis. And holy moly, major kudos to Sir Patrick Stewart for absolutely knocking us dead with his incredible acting chops because he went from serious to playful to silly to dizzy to normal to freaked out and then you know because he's kind of losing it because of the the temporal distortions effing with his brain he turns and starts trying to be like get me out get me out but he's up against like glass so like mm-hmm. he he's trapped oh god it was just super scary so you know Deanna's like Jordy get us out of here right so turns out he's been affected by the temporal distortion and it's getting to him so Picard decides to stay aboard and now Jordy Deanna and Data beam onto the Romulan ship to try to get some answers. Which and, is so fun also, because now we get to see what's going on in the other side, because David yes. presumed, he said, well, maybe it had something to do with his energy transfer. Yeah. Maybe that caused the warp core breach. So let's yeah. go check out the Romulan ship. So they head over there. Plus, Troy is supposedly the expert on Romulan ships because she was kidnapped by the Romulans once. Yes. Remember, so she now had to she, pretend to be tall she are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now apparently she knows where like all the parts of the ship are. And I was like, <laughs> mm, I don't know if I buy that. She's an engineer. <laughs> Exactly. Now she knows the schematics. Like she was kidnapped. She wasn't building. She was on. To be fair, she was on that ship for two whole days. Okay, she learned everything about it. She she gets on the ship. She's like, it's usually held right there. It's usually off to the left, right to the. You know, you unscrew the top two. How did you know any of this, girl? You did not know this. You do not know this. You were on the bridge, and you were in the cafeteria, and and you're shut in the in your your quarters, and you went to like the shuttle bay. Those are all the locations of the girl. She knows know. all about this, the quantum singularity. She's all <laughs> she really she's does. A Romulan propulsive expert all of a sudden, but whatever, it works for the story. But here's what they find. Are you good? <laughs> like back in season one, when suddenly she's like a linguistics expert and also a hypnotist. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Okay. The, the woman has a lot of tools in her belt. Okay. But here's what they find aboard the Romulan ship. And this is why it was so valuable to go over there. Mm-hmm. They find that the crew is not at battle stations. It's on evacuation alert. And they're like, what the F? Like, the plot just keeps thickening and thickening and thickening. Mm-hmm. Looks like the Romulans are trying to shut down the power transfer. And this is looking less and less like some sort of battle. They decide to look at the engine. And there's an energy vortex. It looks like the origin of the terror of the -hmm. space-time continuum. And it starts fluctuating because, you know, Data scans it with his tricorder because that's what you do. But the tricorder seems to have triggered like another temporal fluctuation. Activated it or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the Romulans are running around trying to do their jobs. And one Romulan runs around the corner and sees Deanna, Troy, and Data. Like we can see from his perspective, he's like, oh my God, right? Now Picard aboard the runabout sees the enterprise explode and then it like reforms aboard the romulan warbird time is running backwards so it's like wait what is going on because this energy transfer blew up the enterprise and then it's just like a 
you know, shower of sparks. Suddenly it mm-hmm. reforms its Enterprise again. How many times can can a group of people die and come back? I'm serious. Between this and that temporal loop they were stuck yeah. in. That temporal loop thing was that was a rough one. Like, oh, that yeah. was that was the head scratcher. So yeah. apparently 18, at least 18 times they can do it <laughs> and be fine. Um, potentially more. So yeah. So time ran forward for a few seconds and then it ran backwards back to where it was when they first started. Mm-hmm. So they're all like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? And, you know, and Troy's letting them know that the power source of a Romulan ship is a quantum singularity. It's an artificial black hole. So yeah. once it's turned on, it can't be turned off. It's an, it's an everlasting source of power. Which sounds again, like a, yeah, sounds like a nuclear reactor. Like once yeah. it's turned on, it does not, it doesn't shut down anymore. Yeah. Again, that's like just so mind blowing. I was just like, that's just it's really cool um but something's malfunctioning there's some weird bluey thing inside of it Mm -hmm. and we just noticed like okay the the scanning from the tricorder activated this so data's like let's not do that anymore (laughs) yeah let's Let's go ahead and definitely not 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 do that and so Jordy's like okay let me let me go look at their panel and see like what let me see what else i can find what else might be showing up on their panels because again we can push the buttons but nothing's gonna yeah. happen so let me see what their their panel says which also i love that everybody aboard the enterprise can freaking read romulan i was like oh okay well you notice everybody all the romulans could fly the enterprise yeah they were all on the bridge pushing the buttons at battle yep. stations and whatnot yeah they you're right the ship. they could so I mean, maybe it's that universal translator that just yes. Also, it's better in your knowledge. eyes. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Bro, I couldn't call it, but everybody knows everything here. This, so we're buying it. Um, and Jordy <laughs> goes over to the panel to see what that says, and he pauses and goes, "Wait a minute! There's another Romulan man standing, kind of in the middle of the room." And he looks and he goes, "Data, was this guy standing here a minute ago?" He recognizes, it's like spot the difference. He recognizes that this one yes. person is out of place, which I would not have recognized in a room full of freaking Romulans. I wouldn't have noticed that one Romulan was in a different spot. I feel like I might have only because he was right in the middle of the walkway. So Jordy had to like go around him the second time to get to the panel. If he had been like standing up against a wall, like I wouldn't have caught that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jordy, Jordy notices. And as soon as he points the guy out, the guy unfreezes because he was never really frozen. He was pretending. Mm-hmm. And he reaches out and grabs Jordy. And then that grabbing does something to the the skin-tight force field or something. But we see this yellow flash of light. They both fall to the ground. And Jordy starts he, shaking uncontrollably. I think he kind of, like, zapped him. He had, like, some sort of in grown some kind of like, energy power yeah yes yes because like we've seen that before remember where mm-hmm. um in symbiosis. God, it was like yeah yes in symbiosis they have these like the you know they can create their own uh, yes it's like cool. a- electric eels right so it seems mm-hmm. like this guy had electric eel power and like zap jordy which put him into neural shock and he like keels over as well and the team is like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh like what do we do so they run over and Deanna scans him and she's like, he's in neural shock, like he's dying. So Deanna, thankfully, being quick on her feet, rips the armband off of Jordy, which freezes him in time. So she's like, hopefully, when we figure out what's going on, we can get him to sick bay. Like, to sick bay. But for which now, again, least, so clutch. Like, I was just like, thank God uh, Troy is on this trip. I wouldn't have thought of that girl, either. If this I'd been like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Troy, yeah, if this had been season one, Troy, she would have just cried a bunch and then been like, I don't know. I feel his pain. And then I he would have died. The pain. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly what no, would have happened. Yeah. But she came in so clutch, and I wrote that in so like good. all caps in my notes. I was like, wow, such quick thinking. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. thought of that. Mm-hmm. Genius. So they beam them back. They beam the Romulan, and they uh, leave Jordy there. But they beam the Romulan back to like question him or help him, whatever. They can't help Something. him. They don't. 
they don't have, I don't even know if they have like a medical kit on the runabout. They don't have, they can't help. Plus, even if they did go to sick bay, they quickly find out that this being is not from our reality. Mm-hmm. He's just taking on this physical form. He's a little to- bit like the traveler. It mm-hmm. gave me very much like traveler vibes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And or and like that guy, John, who Beverly fell in love with. Yes, who, like transformed the light or whatever. beam. Yeah. Yeah. So he just took on this Romulan form. But this isn't his normal form. So whatever this be, or also a callback to Time's Arrow, like those creatures. Yeah. So he's some kind of energy being something, time traveler, whatever. So we wouldn't have been able to help this guy anyways. And he's going to die. And it's very clear. But they, he tells the story of what happened. So now we get to the bottom. And mm-hmm. we find out that they have to put their young in a black hole as part of their gestation. They put their, mm-hmm. their like fertilized eggs or whatever. Just so cool. Again. So cool. So cool. Into a black hole. And the black hole helps them to mature. And then I guess they come out some kind of way. They did not know that the Romulan Warbirds engine was an artificial black hole. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that their young that they place there are now dying. Because whatever energy, nutrients, who knows what they get from natural black holes do not exist in artificial black holes. Yeah. And so now they're younger in trouble. So they're the ones who came. They heard their young's cries or who knows mm-hmm. what. They're the ones who came to try to rescue them. And in doing so, they they caused time to freeze. They were the ones who were firing from the warbird to the Enterprise to try to break the energy transfer because it was damaging. It, it could have hurt their young. So yes. now we get to like, okay, time broke because of these beings. And their young mm-hmm. are extrinsically t- tied to the engine. Mm-hmm. So all this power transfer and all this stuff is connected to time and time distortions. Yes. And you're like, okay, I still don't totally get it, but that's more than enough explanation for me. So that's enough for Star Trek, yeah. It's more than enough. I'm like, that That clears it all up. <laughs> yeah, it right? was your like, babies hiding in the engine. It clears yes. it all up. <laughs> yes. So it turns out that the Enterprise was executing a power transfer to try to jumpstart the Warbird because as these little time-traveling babies, you know, were in this artificial gravity well as a nest, it caused the Romulan engines to fail. It's like putting grains of sand in like a processor or something where it's like, oh, yeah, it suddenly it's not working, right? So the Enterprise, being good people, they were like, we'll help you, right? So they're trying to jumpstart the Romulan Warbird, and it's the energy transfer that's going to kill the young. So that's why these like time traveling aliens started using the Romulan Warbird to shoot at the Enterprise to stop that from happening, right? But while he's talking, this alien's molecular structure is destabilizing, so he's not going to last. And he says, it, you need to stop the power transfer, it will kill the young. And he's like, there's one other with him. Right, because Picard says, is there anyone else with you? And he's like, yes. yes. And he says, there's, there's one, one other. Yes. And, and then he like, phases out and he dissolves. Yeah, he phases out like the Come traveler on, and it's gone, right? And now the engine core breach timer is down to seven hours and change. And they still have no better idea of how to, one, stop the power transfer and two, affect the temporal disturbance in any kind of way to mm-hmm. like make it do what they want it to do. So here's where Picard and the sci-fi team come in. Cause he's like, I wonder if we can reverse the process that we saw earlier where time went forwards and backwards. Like what if we go backwards in time before the breach and the power transfer, stop those things from happening and then make time go forward again. So we can kind of go back Mm-hmm. do a mulligan and then go mm-hmm. forward again right mm-hmm. if data triggered the disturbance with his tricorder perhaps he can do it again but in a calculated way kind of like on davidia too mm-hmm. they're like all right okay okay again us- i buy it the technology Ugh. of this episode is perfection 
By the way, it would take so much more than seven hours for me to try to think of a solution. I would just be like, think faster, Beverly, think faster, right? Like I wouldn't, I like, I love their ability to be like, but it might work for us. And they have all Mm -hmm. these solutions all of a sudden, right? But what they do is they also say, okay, each one of us is going to take a position somewhere important before data kicks time backward. Like Troy's going to be in sick bay with a phaser to prevent Beverly from being hit. Data's going to be in main engineering to try to stop the power transfer. The card's going to be on the bridge to like protect Riker, right? So they start this time thing. It starts going backward. The warp core breach has been reversed and data has to stop the energy transfer. And as he's about to do it, that other like temporal alien runs into main engineering and with this really cool distorted voice says you must stop and like that data which to me was so frustrating i was like yeah. he's trying to help you lady he's trying he's trying to stop he was yeah. trying to stop all of this but you don't know what's going on so you just react to think like why is he affecting time what's he doing because time starts to go the way that they want it to it starts to rewind mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. when she comes around the corner and zaps him to be like, stop, yeah. what, stop what you're doing. But it's like, oh, but he's helping. Like he, everything you want to happen is going to happen if you would just take a yeah. step back. But there's no time to think. There's no time to have conversation. No she time. Freaked out and zapped him. And and then he like he collapses to the ground. She collapses to the ground. And we know how this story ends because it just mm-hmm. happened to the other di- guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in that moment, the incident or whatever you know, I don't even know his rank, but he pushes the button for the power transfer and data kind yes. of wakes up and he's like, do not push the button. Do not transfer the power. And he's like, oh, sorry, sir. I already did like that. And there's quick, no way to that, stop it. Yeah. brief moment where she zapped him was the, the moment, the only moment to stop that energy transfer from happening and stop all of this from happening. And it was I like, no, oh I know, I know. And it's like, and also, what do you mean? There's no way to stop a power transfer. Do you just have to keep it going forever then? This isn't a quantum singularity. This isn't a nuclear reaction. It's a freaking power transfer. Like, just turn well, it off. He did, he did, he did kind of explain that. He said, I forget what exactly he said, but the gist of it was the way this power transfer worked is that they built up a bunch of energy and mm. then they released the energy. Oh, so the power I transfer see. was a release. So he said something like, We've already built up blah blah blah, and we just mm-hmm. like released it. Oh, so, see, in my mind, I was just picturing like a light a cart- no, in my mind, I was picturing like a cartoon Enterprise D flying around with just a beam of light just constantly coming out of it. They're just flying around at warp speed, stopping off at planets. That energy beam is still going. They're like, I don't know, we don't know how to turn it off. Nobody knows where the kill switch is. So every planet knows we've been by. Um, As yeah. suddenly, suddenly every planet's solar panels are charged to max, like for years. Um, now... You know, th- so that's happening in main engineering. Meanwhile, in sickbay, Deanna keeps Beverly from being shot, right? They reverse time and then she ends up, you know, Deanna ends up pulling out her phaser and she's like, back away from her, right? And it turns out that the Romulan was actually shooting at that temporal alien, but Beverly got in the way, which I was like, oh, cool. This is more of the like, it's not what you think it is, mm-hmm. right? Where Beverly, Beverly kind of touches her stomach and she's like, gosh, I've never been happier to like feel solid flesh under my Seriously. hands. And they both are looking and they're like, like the guy with the phaser when Troy's like, like where did where did get she away go? From, yeah, yeah. Like, get away from her. He's like, where where'd she go? I wasn't firing at her. I was firing at some alien who's pretending to be a Romulan. But where is mm-hmm. she? And then you're like, oh, oh no, because Troy never met her. Right? She followed Troy out. Yes. And went who knows where? So you're like, yes, what's going yeah. on? So I love this. This is the unwinding of everything we thought and what's mm-hmm. really going on on right. the bridge. And- Picard grabs. You know, Picard's like, watch out or whatever. 
we see the guys just helping Riker up. Like Riker yes. stumbled and fell. And this guy's just helping him up. He's not yeah, the Romulan who was looming over was actually like leaning over to give him a hand to pull him up. So it's like, okay, again, it's not what we thought. Now Riker does realize he's like, sir, what are you doing here? Because they were still like 13 hours away from mm-hmm. rendezvousing with Picard and suddenly Picard's on the bridge. And Picard basically does the whole like no time and tells mm-hmm. Riker that they need to beam Jordy to sick bay like five minutes ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So data can't stop the energy transfer. So he immediately, at data speed, puts a level three containment field around the warp core to protect the ship from its explosion. Now, I don't know that much about technology, but honey, I do know that a level three containment field can't even contain spot, never mind a core breach. I was yeah, like, I level think, three? Should we try level 10? And even like, level 10 or, can't contain a warp yeah, core breach. Like 10 plus, maybe, or whatever the highest level is. I was like, three? Okay. Roka Danar will just like parkour over a a level three containment field. A a level 10 containment field cannot contain the Borg. So like you, I don't think you can contain a warp core breach. Like I feel like if they did something where it was like, because in my mind, a breach is like a crack in the actual yeah. core. So if it was something more where like it re- you reinforce that part or you like yeah. put a fat chunk of steel and weld it to that section or I don't know. So maybe that's what this level three containment was supposed to be. It just mm-hmm. it's just sealed the tiniest little crack where the pressure would be would escape. But yeah, yeah I agree. At level three couldn't hold spot. It doesn't really track that. <laughs> That the warp core... But you know what? Okay, like, you you tried something, but Picard thinks fast. Again, this is team think fast. And remotely flies the runabout into the energy stream, causing the runabout to explode, which is a waste of a perfectly good runabout. But it stops the energy stream. That's why we never see the runabout again. Oh, yeah, it destroyed it. (laughs) Yes. So the energy stream is at least disrupted. R.I.P. runabout. And, like, that kind of fixed everything. The core breach has been prevented... The alien has vanished into their own time or something. And the Romulan ship has vanished as well, which I was like, hold and on. all the Romulan crewmen disappear from the Enterprise. Well, n- no, that's not actually right, right? So because we get a little bit of a captain's log where they're like, okay, the evacuated crew of the Romulan ship and they're on their way to the neutral zone to bring them home. So they say that the warbird disappeared into its own time. And I was like, what the hell? No, like that, yeah. So that doesn't work because... Because in that scene, we see all the Romulans disappear from the bridge. But what we don't see is all the damage to the bridge does not go away. All the phaser mm-hmm. fire and burns and stuff are still there. So you're like, well, did it happen or did it not? You guys got to pick a lane. Um, yeah. The board disappears and all the Romulans go back to their ship. But then he says, we evacuated them, which makes it seem like their engine still went down and they still needed help. Just the, oh. just the time distortion part didn't happen. Okay. But the engine because, going down still happened. Ah, okay. Because I thought they said the Romulan ship has vanished. So I was like, it did, was this it Romul- cloaked. Oh. But like, why did it cloak? But it's the same exactly. question. It's see, still the same see, question. It's, it's the same. Still it's the same. there. Because the way that it, to, the way that I took it in was like, the temporal, the temporally, um, Things, like, like erased displaced, well, the temporally displaced aliens, like, vanished back to their own time, and the Romulan ship has vanished to its own time, and I was like, but what time did it come from then? Right. Like, were there the different time, time continuum? I was like, huh? Okay. Yeah, so, okay. The, it, so basically, but still, still, it doesn't quite make sense, this part, because what should have happened is either none of this happened then, and we just all go on a merry way, which means all yeah. our minds should be erased, we shouldn't remember what happened, because none of this happened. Right. Or we say, okay, the only thing, which is, I think, the way they were going, the only thing that has changed is that that time distortion doesn't happen and the warp mm. core doesn't breach. 
Because the warp core breaching okay. with the power transfer is what made time stop or whatever. Yeah. But we're going to say also- everything else happened. The Warbirds engines went down. We don't know why. Yeah. The, you know, we did the power transfer, but now we stopped the power transfer. So the only thing that didn't happen was the time distortions. And mm. we're guessing alien time travelers got their babies out and we're all Question good. Mark. Yeah. But the ship shouldn't have disappeared. The Romulans shouldn't have disappeared. Or if they disappeared, you shouldn't still have scorch marks all over the ship. Like, yeah, it either yeah. happened or it didn't. So, well, see, that's that's the thing too. Where it's like, if, if this is to be honest, though, if this is the biggest bone that we could pick with this episode, yeah. it's a very small bone. Like, yeah. it's it's such a great episode on the it's bridge. Just like, it's just a very confusing end at the end because you're like, yeah, wait. I, I too, I was like, so wait, do they remember what happened? Oh, they do. How do they remember what happened? And I was like, oh, maybe it never happened. And then when he said, yeah, the um the survivors, we've taken them to the neutral zone. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. so wait, that still happened. Yeah. Well, so on the bridge, Riker looks at Picard and he's like, Captain? And Picard says, it's going to take a little time to explain everything. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute because it's this whole play on like time has been a really, you know, big problem. Yeah, because earlier Jordy had said, just going back quite a bit, when he made those armbands, he said it's going to take a lot of time, which is what he said (laughs) in the video too, too. And Picard was like... Well, that's okay because uh, we've got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, we've got need. lots of time. Don't worry. At the end now, so all is well that ends well. Riker comes to visit Data. He pops his head in slowly and goes, "Where's that cat of yours?" Which is exactly what I would say. I'd be mm-hmm. like, mm, uh, uh, "Computer level three containment field around Data's quarters." Also, so he came by to give Data some give me one of those pers- armbands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he comes by to give Data his personnel assignment pad for Data to, like, double-check the facts and stuff. Um, and Riker asks him what he's doing, because Data is studying how humans perceive the passage of time. And he's, like, he's got a little kettle and he's boiling some water. And Data is kind of testing out this, like, the idea of, like, a watched pot never boils. Mm-hmm. He's like, but it is. Like, it's 51.7 seconds, no matter how many times I boil this, it always takes the same amount of time. And Riker's like, okay, turn off your internal chronometer like humans don't have them like turn it off and see what happens like time is pretty relative to us you know five minutes doing something you really love goes by much faster than five minutes doing something you really hate mm-hmm. and as Riker oh, Lee, we can tell you that that is true that's oh my god true <laughs> that is so correct right <laughs> you know Riker leaves and tells data like don't be late for your shift you know kind of makes a little joke mm-hmm. so in the meantime data's turned off his internal chronometer and as data's kind of pondering what Riker has said suddenly the pop starts whistling and Mm -hmm. i was like ah what a cute little like ending to that yeah and that also comes up again in the episode that you are going to hate where data has a dream (laughs) it's because he turns off his internal chronometer like at night or whatever just to see what what that feels like um which is just really really cool like i i i did i don't i don't super love these kind of endings these kind of like freeze frame cheesy laugh endings Mm mm-hmm so I didn't like love it, but I did like that it was relevant to what we were talking about in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and usually that's what it is. Like, I know that you love the data episodes where he's kind of exploring humanity. And this is mm-hmm. a great one for him to explore because here he was like outside of the problem and and mm-hmm. witnessed this happening. And so, of course, data is always on the quest to like learn more about humanity. And so this is a great way for him to be like, okay, well, the crisis has been averted, but like now I have this new thing that I can explore and wonder about. And and Riker was perfect about that. He's like, dude, we don't have internal chronometers. Like just turn it off. And mm-hmm. like before you know it, the pot boils and you're like, ah, there it is. <laughs> it was, it was kind of cute. So what are your final thoughts on this episode? I feel like I don't have to be a mind reader to know, but give it to us. What's your final <laughs> thought on this? So this for me is a perfect episode. 
Uh, it just really is. It you really don't is. get you don't get a lot of character development in it. So that mm-hmm. would probably be, you know, other than the fact that the ending was a little confusing, my only other bone to pick would be like, yeah, you don't get a lot of character development in it, but you get action, you get mystery, you get this cool technology, you get time distortions, you get space battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I put five Not stars. Everything. So good. Yeah. What about you? What were your what are your final thoughts? Honestly, my final thoughts are simple. It's a perfect episode. I love it so, so, so much. I mean, if I watched it every day, I would be fine with it. It's just perfect. It's It'd still be cool. Yeah. It would still, still be, cool. be super cool. <laughs> so, all right. On that note, uh, we're just wrapping up like the greatest episode. Next week, we are talking season six finale, Descent Part One. Thank you guys so much for geeking out with us on this marathon episode. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.